at the beginning of Parshas Vayechi, we find two times that Yaakov instructs Yosef. The first time is it says Vayikrivu Yemei Yisrael Lomus, who's going towards the end of his lifetime, and he calls in Yosef and he says to him, "Please don't bury me in Eretz Mitzrayim. Rather take me out of Mitzrayim and bring me back to Eretz Canaan, the land of my fathers, and bury me in their grave." And Yosef's response, I'll do what you wanted, and Yaakov's not satisfied with that, he says make a shvur, and Yosef makes a shvur as well. And then we find the second time, when Yaakov gets sick, and Yosef comes to visit him, this time with Manash and Ephraim, and the point of the visit was ready to get a bracha from Menashe and Ephraim. And yet, Yaakov, even though he does address Menashe and Ephraim and give them a bracha, but he seems to go off topic, and he tells Yosef, you should know that I was in Eretz Canaan when Rachel died, and I buried her on the side of the road by Beslech. And why is that significant? So, Rashi tells us from Chazal, that Yaakov said, I feel that that you upset, you have a complaint against me, why I buried Rachel the way I did, and therefore, and why am I asking you to bury me in the Ma'aras and Machpela? And that's why I'm explaining to you that it was Apiya Dibur. The Rakhadish Baruch instructed me to bury Rachel where she was buried. Why that way, as we know the famous Chazal, that she would be a place of tefillah for her children nearly a thousand years later when they were going into Golis. Now, what changed now that Yosef so to speak was Yeshba, he had a complaint he was upset about something Yaakov had done and where did Yaakov see that? Where did Yaakov know that Yosef had so to speak a complaint against him? Rachel had been buried many years before. So to answer that question, let's first learn together a Chazal, which is at the end of this week's Pasha. It also brought in Rashi, after Yaakov Abinu dies. And Yosef goes to Paray to ask for permission, to ask for permission to bury Yaakov in Eretz Yisrael, in the Maris of Achpeila. And Yosef quotes Yaakov's dying request, and he says, my father, before he died, he requested that I want to be buried in Kivri Asher Korisi Liberetz Canaan. In the grave that I bought, that I Korisi Liberetz Canaan. What does the word Korisi mean? So the one explanation of the word Korisi is to dig. Just like the Pasuk says, Ki Yichre Ishbar, if a person digs a pit, so Korisi could be that I dug. I dug myself a grave in Eretz Canaan, which I'll be the Pshat is a bit difficult to understand, that Yaakov had dug his own grave. But Rashi brings another Pshat as well. And that is that Korisi can mean to buy. And if that's the case, it would mean the, the grave that I bought for myself. And where did Yaakov buy his Eretz Machpelah? If anything, Abraham Avinu bought the Eretz Machpelah. So Chazal tell us, that we know that the Ma'aras Machpelah 
there were only were limited, so to speak, burial spots available there. Avram and Sarah took two. Then before that, Adam and Chava took two. Avram and Sarah took the next two. Yitzchak and Rivka took the following two. And there were only two places left. And if that's the case, being as Yitzchak had two heirs, Yaakov and Esau, so it should have been that one of those places was meant for Yaakov and one was meant for Esau. Yaakov buried Leah in the Maris Machpelah. So, in Esau's eyes, he had used his slot. And the remaining place left, Esau held, was for him. And that's why Chazal tell us that what Yaakov did is he took all the possessions that he had amassed, all the wealth he had from Lavan, and he made a huge pile, a creek, like a mountain, of all his belongings. And he said to Esau, Esau, I'm willing to buy your last place in the Maris Machpelah in exchange for everything I own. And Esau accepted that. And that's why Yaakov said, in the grave that I bought for myself with a creek, with the mound of all my possessions that I gave up in order to get that last place in the Maris Machpelah. <coughs> now, this took place when Yaakov was on his way down to Mitzrayim. Then he made the steal with Esau, and he bought the last place in the Maris Machpelah. If we understand in the context of the story as it happened, Yosef was already in Mitzrayim then. Yosef wouldn't have been aware of that. And if that's the case, what we understand is that Yosef also knew there were two places left in the Maris Machpelah, and that Yaakov had used his place, so to speak, to bury Leah. And if that's the case, Yosef was hoping that Yaakov would get buried next to Rachel in Maris Machpelah, in Kever Rachel. The first time that Yosef hears that Yaakov hadn't intended to be buried next to Rachel was when Yaakov says to him before he died, and he says, Bury me in the, in the graves of my fathers. So that means Yaakov wants to be buried next to Leah, in the Maris Machpelah, not next to Rachel. And that's why, at, the, at this stage, Yaakov felt that maybe Yosef has some complaints against him, some taina. Why don't you want to be buried next to my mother? Why do you want to be buried next to Leah? And where did he sense that? And yes, his response. When he asked Yosef to bury Maris Machpelah, Yosef didn't say Hineni or some other notion of acceptance. I'll do like you wanted. And there's a certain indication that's not what I wanted. But if that's what you wanted, I'll do that. And that's why the second time that Yaakov meets Yosef, he has to pacify him. Because you should understand, Yosef, this wasn't my choice. This was Alpiya Dibur. This is a idea, but this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. Which means, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted that Rachel should be buried by herself on the road of Beislechem in order to be the Meditation, in order to be the defendant for her children, for Klai Yisrael. And Hashem wanted that Leah and Yaakov should be together in the Maris HaMachbeda. And if anything, that's a reversal. 
we know that if we would call Yaakov's primary wife or Yaakov's favorite wife was Yerachel. Whereas Leah was the one who was blessed with the most children. And yet here we find that Leah and Yaakov are together and Rachel is on her own because she's had to look after her children. What's the explanation in that? How does it work? So, let's discuss a principle. And see some applications of that principle. And we can see how it works here as well. We know that there's a concept of how for Tzadikim specifically, HaKadosh Baruch answers that fillers. Except sometimes, for whatever reason Hashem has, Hashem doesn't answer the tefillah of a tzaddik in his lifetime. It might be once in Tudavim, or it might be the circumstances aren't yet ready. But there's a concept of answering a tefillah even after a person's died. For example, David HaMelech davens to Hashem. And he says he wants to build the base of Mikdash. And Hashem didn't want David Amalek to build the Beis HaMikdash. But nevertheless, the Beis HaMikdash is called the Sukkah David. And as we know from Chazal, when Shlomo Amalek's son wanted to inaugurate the Beis HaMikdash and wanted to bring the Aaron HaKodesh, the gates refused to open until Shlomo Amalek David managed to open in the schos of his father David. David and then miraculously, the gates were until then had been firmly shut, swung open. As if to show that the Besamikdash opens, the Besamikdash is in the schus of David. So in his lifetime, David Amalek wasn't given that schus, but after he died, he was. Another example too. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, but David davens to Hashem. And he says, I will live in your tent forever. Your tent is the best Medrash. And David asked to live in the best Medrash forever. And the Gemara asks, so David didn't know he was going to die. That's the Gezerah and all mankind. Why did David think he was immortal? And the Gemara answers that David didn't mean he was physically going to live in the best Medrash forever. But rather the Torah that he taught and the Chidushim that he said should be mentioned and should be remembered in the best Medrash forever. That was David's Torah. And Hashem responded. After David died, so what the Sefer he bequeathed, the Sefer Behilim, Sefer Tehilim, is davened, is learned, is is used in every Shah's star until today. How many times a day are we saying Tehilim? Whether it's part of our davening, whether it's something we learn, whether when a person's in need, that's the go-to Sefer that we have. But it's even more than that. If I would ask you to guess, out of all the great men of Kali Yisrael, Abraham Avinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, you name it, Yaakov Avinu, whose name is mentioned the most times in the Tanakh? Well, we once checked it up. The person who is mentioned the most in the Tanakh is David HaMelech. There was also a fulfillment of what he asked for. That I should be mentioned in the best Medrash. And indeed, David's name is mentioned more than any other person in Tanakh. So we see such a principle. 
that tefillahs can get answered not just in a person's lifetime, but even after they die. Let me give you another example. Avram Avinu. Chazal tell us, what did Avram daven for? So listen to an exchange between Hashem and Avram Avinu. Hashem promised Avram Avinu you're going to have children. And Avram says, HaKadosh Baruch what's going to happen to my children that are Javaris? And Hashem says to him, they're going to go to Gehenna. And Avram's response, no, please Hashem, not Gehenna. It's too much. What other punishment can you have? Can you offer? So Hashem says, okay, if that's the case, I can punish him as Shepherd Malchus, I'll go into Goddess. And Avram accepted that, that he was willing to, willing for Klai Yisrael to go through it, but not Gehenna. So we see Avram of Venus Tvilet Hashem was to spare his descendants, Klai Yisrael, from Gehenna. And I look at an amazing thing. The Gemara says in the Erevin, in Dafid Zayin Amud Aleph, that Avram sits by the gate of Gehenna. And any of his descendants that he recognizes, because they've had a bris miller, he prevents them going into that level of Gehenna. That was Avram's request. Avram's request was that his descendants shouldn't go into Gehenna, and Hashem answered him. And Avram's the one to prevent his descendants going into Gehenna. Let's give another example. By Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, on his way down to Mitzrayim, so he's given a Nevoah by Hashem. And the Nevoah he's given by Hashem is he's going down to Mitzrayim. Yosef will put his hand over your eyes. Now, in context, that's meant to mean that when Yaakov dies, Yosef will be there. Which is a bit of a strange thing for Hashem to promise him because Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim, he saw Yosef alive, and they lived together in Mitzrayim for the next 17 years. Why was it important for Hashem to promise him, Yosef will be there when you die? Why not? You're going to see Yosef in his lifetime. You'll spend as many years together now as you had before he was sold. Yosef was sold at the age of 17. You'll have another 17 years together with him in Mitzrayim. And the answer is in this expression. Yaakov says to Yosef, he says, I never daven to see you again. Yaakov's tefillah was that none of his sons should die in his lifetime. That his mission to, to bring into the world the 12 Shratim should be complete. And therefore, his sons should all outlive him. But to actually see Yosef again, he never expected that to happen. He says it himself. I never daven to see you. And therefore, when Hashem answered Yaakov's Twitter, Hashem told him, Yosef will be there when you die. That's what you asked for. That's what you're going to get given. Whereas what he didn't ask for, so that Hashem didn't promise him. So if we see this, you said, that the Koyach of the Twitter of is that there's a reason for Hashem to answer it. There's a reason for Hashem to answer it if not in his lifetime, then after he died. So let's think about something amazing. What was Leah Imanus Tefillah her whole life? We know. We know because she says it. And that is, her Tefillah was that Yaakov should want to be with her. Her Tefillah was, 
upon me love and share life. This time my husband will accompany me. This time my husband will be interested in me. This time my husband will be, uh, will love me. That was last filler throughout. And Hashem answers the tzedakahs. And that's why she's together with Yaakov and Horus and What was Rachel's filler in her life? We know. She wanted the children. And therefore, Hashem answered Rachel. And she's going to be the one to protect her children, to protect La Yisra. So even though in their lives times, their, their situation, their position was different, after they died, HaKadosh Baruch fulfills the Ratzon of Tzadik And therefore, what they asked was what they were given. Chazal say that the reason Rachel didn't merit to be with Yaakov in Masim Achbeila and Rachel and Leah did is because Rachel zilzalab b'mishkavish al tzadik. She didn't consider it important to be with Yaakov. In the story of Yisachar, when he was born, so Rachel gave up her night with Yaakov, so to speak, in order to get the Zudah. I understand that Chazal that it wasn't a once-off incident. It was a, a symptomatic of what each one really wanted. Leah had children. She was much more desperate for Yaakov's affection and closeness than for more children. Rachel had the connection to Yaakov, but she didn't have children. And therefore, for her, what was much more important was to have a child. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave each one what they really wanted. Which is a lesson for us on two points. Number one, the concept of what a person davens for, they can get, even if it's after their lifetime, is a big chizak to us. It's a big chizak to us. Because even things we daven for and we don't get answered, we shouldn't think that the tefillahs are going to waste. Maybe the situation isn't yet right for that to take place. But tefillahs can get answered even after a person dies. But the second point also, and that is, something that we think we already have, and therefore we don't feel we need to dive in for, is something we might lose. We need to dive in to keep the brachas Hashem has already given us. But if we don't consider them important enough, we mazals in the brachas we've got, and there's a possibility that you won't have them also love How does this apply to us? This week we had a Sarah Batavis. And we are talking. We are talking about the, the importance of Tzipir, the issue of waiting for the Gola. And the question is asked that through the course of the centuries, through the two millennia of the Golas, how many Tzadikim have waited, have davened, have cried, have beseeched Hashem to bring the Gola? And the tefillahs weren't answered. And the tefillahs weren't answered because the decision whether or not to bring the Gola doesn't depend on one tzaddik or even one group of tzaddik who can daven. It's a decision which affects the whole Klai Yisrael. And therefore, before Hashem brings the Gola, He won't take it, just take into account the tzaddikim who are davening, He'll take into account the entire Jewish people. And therefore, one can think maybe the tefillahs weren't answered. 
They down to the girl and they never left to see it. And the answer is that's not true. Their tefillahs were answered. Their tefillahs were answered and they will see the girl. Because even though they didn't merit to see it in their lifetime, there's a special tefillahs and mesin. For those people who miss Abel al Yerushalayim, a person who misses the Yerushalayim, a person who longs for and davens for Yerushalayim, is guaranteed that he's zeich of a rayah b'tzimchasah. He's guaranteed he'll be zeich to see it's rebuilding. The tefillah, which is a heartfelt tefillah that a person has, please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, enable me to participate in the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash, to be present at the Gaulah, to be given opportunity of Torah and mitzvahs which Mashiach will provide, is a tefillah which is answered. And like we said, there's some circumstances that Hashem doesn't answer a tefillah in a person's lifetime. That doesn't mean the tefillah wasn't answered. It will be answered. It will be answered in the future. And all those tzaddikim who davened for and longed for and waited for Mashiach and waited for the Gula, their tefillah was answered, they'll be zeichet to see it. Not that tefillah will be answered. The only medayik of Lashon of the Gemara is He's already been Zaycha. You've davened for Mashiach, you're already Zaycha for Mashiach. It's just a matter of time until it actually happens. And that's the importance of Tzipir Yeshua. If we know that being, our Tzipir is being answered isn't limited to an immediate answer, or even to an answer that we want in the course of our lifetimes, then we're not going to give up davening. Because we know that Tzipir are answered, even if it's going to only be way in the future. But if we want Mashiach, and we want to be a present when Mashiach comes, so something we need to daven for. Because that filler can be answered. Or better said, that filler will be answered. Hashem in our lifetimes, but if not, then we already will be in the category of the Jews who are worthy of being resurrected to experience Mashiach Bukharif.